Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. What drives your creativity? In episode four of the B-Side with James Barrow podcast, I speak to graphic designer, art director and DIY electric car hobbyist, Oliver Kendall, who works at Macquarie University's group marketing department in Sydney, Australia. Oliver's career started 18 years ago in England before he ventured to the Southern Hemisphere, living in Johannesburg, South Africa and Sydney, Australia. He has worked for a range of advertising agencies, design firms, and on the client side, applying his creative skills to a wide range of projects across an eclectic range of clients, from gold refineries and big global car brands to smaller businesses and tiny startups, and more recently, the education sector. What inspires his creativity is the thought of making positive differences for society and the planet, big or small. His nostalgic fondness for Land Rovers and high esteem for the change being created by Tesla is the driving force behind his current side hustle, which is restoring and converting his beloved 1970 Land Rover Series 2A, named Nelson, into a fully electric vehicle. We had a really interesting chat, and I hope you enjoy it too. I think you're the only person I've ever met who's decided to build a car, let alone an electric one. You'll probably say, mate, it's quite easy, you just slap a normal car, rip the rip the engine out of a normal car and slap it on top of a, a Tesla platform with a battery in it. See, I know so much about cars, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, it shows, shows a touch, yeah. yeah a touch. Um, yeah. touch. It's got wheels. It's and, got, yeah. And, and well, you so pull it, you pull it, it back. It does. You pull it back, then you yeah, let it go. That's, that's, that's it. how it works, No, it's right? just a big spring, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I haven't taken such a sensible route. So I didn't buy a normal car and decide to put an electric motor in it. I bought a Land Rover. Mm. So I'm not a, a, a fairly old one. So, mm. so yes, yeah, so I'm currently working on a 1970 uh, Land Rover Series 2A, which um, uh, originally was shipped to South Africa. Um, spent, uh, I think, about 15, 20 years there collecting red dirt, which I'm still digging out of the chassis. Um, and it was then shipped uh, over to Australia, where it spent the next 15 to 20 years in a paddock, I think, um, judging by all of the rust in it. Um, and, and did you pick that up because it was cheap? <laughs> I, I, essentially, it was a rescue job. So I, I was actually looking for a project. I've, I've, for a long time, I've, I've, I've loved Land Rovers. And for a long time... Did I've, someone put it out to pasture? Poor little thing. Look, yeah. You felt sorry for the oh, little Long time Land ago. Rover. Well, it's Nel- his name you, is Nelson. You poor little you, you petrol-powered little thing. That's it. I can give you a new life. Well, that's What's his it. name? His, his name's Nelson. Nelson. I've called him Nelson. Nelson. I, I felt like I needed a connection to him so that just to kind of get, get through the, uh, the the project fatigue that you inevitably get when you're restoring a what uh, does Nelson think about fifty year old Land Rover? Out of him and, uh, well, hopefully yeah. it's happy because it, I think it was either this or the scrap heap. Oh. Um, and I mean, it, land, the old, old Land Rovers—they're classic cars. I think you can't look at one and not think that's it's so different and it's so. Uh, 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 cool as a utilitarian thing that you know uh, people around the world have fallen in love. I think there's. I'm right in saying that there's a, a statistic uh, that um, for a time on the planet, 75 percent of the first car that anyone on the planet had seen was a Land Rover. 
because they go anywhere, do anything. And at a time when, uh, uh, you know, these, these technologies were still kind of proliferating around the world. Um, and that, that's quite an amazing to me. So, so I think that they, that's a brilliant little insight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, they've, they've, got their, they've got their place in our heritage and our culture, and I love them. Being British, um, uh, I love. Are them. you British, mate? I just picked up on that. Uh, if you, <laughs> you probably can't tell from. You've my, spent some time in South Africa. My mum's well, rolling accent. Yeah, yes, yeah. This, yeah. this interview is all over the shop. It's destined to fail. Yeah, yeah. Don't subscribe. Don't yeah. rate. Just give us one star. It's fine. That's it. It's that's okay. It. It's my first one. That's it. Don't recommend us to friends. Don't colleagues. recommend us. Just don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you, you can make it sound as, as 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 simple or as complicated as you like. So the the, the the simple part of it is you 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 take out the big old petrol or diesel engine, uh, and you put in a much smaller, lighter uh, electric motor, uh, and you attach that to the gearbox. Uh, you provide that with 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 batteries and power, and off you go. That that's as simple, uh, simple essentially. As that? that's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, Do you want to go like halves in a business, mate? We, we, I think we've got, <laughs> we've got a shot to sort of put the fear of God into uh, That's, old mate Elon. Well, Maybe we could yeah. start our own little thing. I've got some ideas for uh, logos. <laughs> you know, we could call, call it. Yeah, so, yeah, well, you know, they're, 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 even, even within Australia, there are people that are trying to start their own uh, fully uh, kind of uh, um, production-based uh, electric car businesses. Uh, I know you're oversimplifying things but but so you bought you bought the south african yep. born nelson that's it uh, old mate nelson who was out in the deserts collecting dust that's it and he yep. was brought over to um australia you know yep. he sat on a farm for some time probably c- collecting rust uh, that's uh, it you saw his potential good old mate nelson that's and thought, it. mate i've yep. got some some big ideas. Well, that's it. That's it. So yeah, <laughs> and, and and in terms of a side hustle, so so I, I think Australia is uh, 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 it's got it's got a little bit of catching up to do. There's a new culture. What is the culture? So I was saying. So you're not the only one doing this. There's a group no. of you boffins who are out there doing pretty much the same thing, salvaging old cars and yeah. slapping electric motors in them. Talk to me more about how you do it. Though. Yeah. Well, that's so. I, I wouldn't count myself as one of the boffins. There's a lot of smart guys out there that are f- figuring out all of these problems with um, di- essentially DIYing an electric car uh, and getting that together. Um, so I'm kind of taking a little bit of a, a, a different approach to it. In that, yes, I do want to convert my car and maybe down the road other cars to to run um, on an electric motor. Um, but my, my approach is that um, th- the actual conversions will, are, are likely best left to those boffins. Um, and what I want to do and what I'm interested in is actually trying to uh, um, help um, link that crossover culture of classic cars um, in in what is a, an ever changing modern world, particularly in terms of uh, where we're headed um, automotively, in terms of our personal transport, it seems like you're tapping into a culture that aligns with the deuses of the world. You know, you're taking the platforms of these vehicles. In deuses case, it's motor- BMW motorcycles, I think, and then they they modify them with parts from Japanese branded bikes and and whatnot again i know nothing about this area (laughs) but for they've done an incredible job with branding this is that next level you're changing the fundamental uh, ideological system of power that the vehicle is based on and i love the duality you're taking something that is associated with 
emissions, fossil fuels, and those old vehicles that were once deemed as being the pinnacle of fossil fuel burning vehicles. Now, I'm not going to jump on my soapbox and, 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 and say fossil fuels are bad, even though that's my personal opinion. There's a beautiful duality there that you're putting an electric vehicle into, you know, the guts and heart of electric vehicle into this combustion-engined piece of history. And I really feel like that's quite a noble thing. You know, you call it upcycling. You call it, instead of simply, what do you do with these cars? Once once the market take-up of electric vehicles has reached a saturation point, there are all these amazing cars left over. Do they simply gather red dust? Yeah. You know, I just, I really love what you're doing there. Yeah, great. Um, and I love that, that sort of the, the culture around that. You know, how many people do you think there are out there doing what you're doing? Yeah, well, it's it's, uh, and that's part of uh, kind of my, my route into it. it. It seems like there are more than you would know. Mm. Um, there are lots of kind of individuals doing it, um, kind kind of how I'm doing it now, which is kind of selfishly because they mm. want to drive a certain car and they want the, they they have decided they want it to be electric. So that that's that is uh, kind of a selfish part of it all, but at the same time, um, uh, and. Not, not to kind of, uh, um, you know, target anyone. But uh, whenever I hear a car now kind of screaming down the road and, and, and blistering its tyres and its engine roaring at me, because I used to be that way. In, my, in, in younger life, I used to be into cars like that. Um, I don't know, maybe it's old age, maybe it's just this new mentality, but I, 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 I see that and I think, oh, God, the world's got problems. Um, and I, I think part of this is fixing that. So it's, yeah. the, um, the, the, there's such a rich um, car culture across the world. Mm. Um, and uh, the, the impetus now is to maintain that, but kind of just, just redirect it a bit because the rest of the world is changing isn't, and we can bring that along with us. Isn't part of the fun of having the car, though, the roar of the engine and the rumble of the engine and feeling that power sort of beneath you you know what 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 will happen and how will we appease the needs those primal needs of that segment of the market who want who want to go fast they want to go loud and they want everyone to know it well that's it so i mean you're always going to get you guys that just want that hold an ss and the grumble and the you know spitting whatever it's spitting out the back and they don't care um but yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, at this stage, uh, it probably sounds weird to hear, but I've never even driven an electric car. You haven't? Um, no. Um, that was going to be one of my but, questions. Actually. Yeah, no, never driven one. Uh, I would love to, but um, uh, um, circumstances have not uh, allowed that to happen. At this this sounds like one big Tesla ad, doesn't it? Well, that's te- it. Tesla, Tesla yes, is I, up the road. Yeah, Elon would like to send me one for the weekend. <laughs> You talked about doing what you can to, you know, make the world a better place. You know, there's that sort of environmental and social responsibility aspect to that. How do you apply that? And what would you say people could do in their workplaces? You know, not all of us are going to build an electric car, but it goes beyond that, obviously. And we're speaking very broadly about, you know, incredibly complex topics. What would you say people can do on a day-to-day basis to make um, responsible decisions as far as uh, the environment is concerned? Yeah, well, I mean, there there is a massive movement towards it, but um, I mean, my fear and my you know my observation is that there are a lot of people who don't seem to really give a crap at all. Mm. Um, so I think it is it is the responsibility of people who uh, um, kind of uh, 
craft messages to go out into the world to to be quite conscious of it um i'm certainly quite conscious of it and i try to bring it to uh any any project uh that i'm working on where wherever i have an influence to do that it's incredibly topical now i think um with our recent bushfires and the ideological debate about what over what caused them whether it was environmental um, human-based global warming whether it was uh, arsonists or whatnot I think what that did was really sort of shine a spotlight on change and what needed to happen both in the immediate as well as the long term and there's no denying that the environment has gotten to a point now where you know, we've really, really seriously got to look at um, fossil fuels and the role they play in supplying us the electricity we need to sustain ourselves in our industries. A, a large part of my career has been uh, um, in the field of, of, of brand design. Um, and, and brands uh, uh, need to consider their position in uh, uh, society uh, in a way that an advertising campaign doesn't. Um, so in terms of um, organizations, businesses and what they can be uh, doing, it's about putting the right message out into the world. Um, they do have a, a, a massive influence and they, they can have something to say. Um, and I think it's important um, for people who work in the industry to help uh, brands um, uh, future-proof themselves uh, and make make sure that um, what they are projecting out into the world is good for the world mm. um, in, in terms of kind of how it can influence a business or an organisation. Um, uh, it, it's in- incredibly important that people feel connected to them uh, as, as they, you know, care about things in the world. They, they also want the, uh, the, 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 the brands they buy uh, the organizations they trust to have the uh, the same attitude towards these things mm-hmm. and so doing good um you know choosing sustainability um maybe it is harder to do maybe it doesn't directly relate to uh, the service or the product you provide but um projects uh, and impetus to do right in the world should be celebrated and I think yeah. brands um, organisations are they, they need to kind of lead yeah. the way yeah, I, 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 uh, I think the brands that are doing great things for the um, environment and raising awareness of sustainability really are going out of their way to ensure that we all know about it the market is smart enough to realise you know, those that are doing it with authenticity and those who aren't Anyway, I, I'm going to leave that topic there. It's <laughs> um, I'm going to get back onto um, sort of more local issues and, and talk more about your day to day. What would a typical day look like for you? And what's your typical creative process from brief to strategy to execution? To... Yeah, so I've. Um, I mean, it's always. I mean, one, depending on the you know the scope of the brief. Um, I always like to uh, go away and do a bit of research. Um, uh, you know, I spend quite a lot of time on 
Wikipedia reading about things and learning. I mean, I've, I've, I think it's been said a million times, but um, if you stop learning, it's like a you know fish a fish sinking. You know, if, if it's like swimming, if, if you stop learning, then you you just sink. It's quite so, happy that you work in a university. Yeah, there's plenty, that's it. plenty of amazing plenty of material people, around. Plenty of material around. You can just pick up a jump to a web page or pick up a bit of collateral. And yeah, that's it. So quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, um, information out there and influence in the, in obviously in the work we do. Um, yeah, so but with a with a a good meaty project, you. you I don't like um, forming any kind of uh, uh, um, opinion. I, I guess you might call it mental sketching. So you, you, you go away and you kind of process things in a way that um, allows you to form rough ideas that you can refine later. Um, the, the same way, uh, you know, when, when you're maybe working up uh, uh, ideas for a logo, you might, before you go sit at a computer and... and uh, um, uh, start flicking through books you might just literally sit and sketch the first things that come to your mind um, so just putting putting together rough kind of associations and uh, uh, symbolism into things uh, you know it's just like rough rough things out mentally um, and, and kind of you could go, go into yourself a little bit kind of maybe it'll be a little bit kind of uh, siloed off uh, that's, that's, that, that tends to be how I get a a, a, a creative ball rolling is, mm-hmm. is to just go kind of go into myself a little bit like that um form an op- opinion which um hopefully uh you know i can i can i can put in front of people um and, and have them understand that i've i've done that research and um the opinion that i'm putting in front of them the the creative idea that i'm putting in front of them um holds weight and there's a real art to um being able to use the term sell in that idea to people, allowing them to uh, understand it and see the vision, whatever they may be. What are your thoughts around how one should do that or how do you do that? I guess a lot of it comes down to who you're talking to at what point in time. Um, Obviously your fellow creatives and people uh, um, who are part of that creative process understand that it's an iterative process um, and that the first thing you're showing is by no means going to be what um you know gets put up on the poster um everything needs to be panel beaten um right till the end oh, till, till, till the panel death you gotta put those uh car analogies in there yeah that's it keep <laughs> them going keep who them said going. you're not a boffin mate that's <laughs> it. No, we will we will get a car sponsor um yeah so i mean it's it's uh as i'm sure any creative that's spent any time in the industry knows it's uh, it's not done till it's printed and on someone's desk. You know, it, it, mm. it changes till the end. It's mm. a, it's a very iterative process. Yeah, it's, it, that brings me back to uh, speaking of analogies. Uh, the, sort of, I love these visual metaphors for things, and I think they're quite memorable. You know, if you, it's, they become far more memorable, I should say, if you can create a visual metaphor for something and that creative process or coming up with an idea. I've always thought of like giving birth. You know, you, you, anyone can come up with an idea. You know, anyone can. Well, not anyone, but it's like having a child, right? You can come up with an idea is like having a child you know do you want to be a, um, an absent father once you've uh, gotten your wife or your girlfriend in my case pregnant uh, do you want to just leave that child and, and let it flounder and struggle through life or would you prefer that you were a supportive 
father, even if you're a single father, and you expose that child to other people's opinions. And, uh, you know, it's, it's that, that analogy between, you know, an idea being like a little child that you need to nurture, support, look after, feed, expose the idea to other opinions and thoughts. Not to say that it needs to become something else, but I think like a, like a child going to school or seeing a health uh, professional or joining a team, the more you can expose that child to experiences and opinions, the stronger the idea becomes. So I kind of, I like this concept of sharing your ideas. How much of that and when do you do that beyond just your creative peers in, the, in, the, in your department? When do you and how do you share an idea once you feel like you've formed it, once it's like this healthy, robust thought yeah, well, that that's the thing. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, um, p- people are very conscious uh, and, and fearful. I've just had a kid, mate. That's why yeah. I'm, <laughs> I've got baby brain. It's all about that's it. n- nappies and, 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 and you know, screaming yeah, babies close and, to home. and sleep at yeah. the moment yeah. uh, or lack thereof. Yeah, an analogy that's close to home. Yeah, because um, you've got how many? You've got I've got two boys. Two boys. Two boys. Yeah. Yeah. And how old are they? Five and seven. Five and seven. Yeah, so it keeps me very busy. <laughs> And, and yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's that whole process. I think you're right. The, the, the idea is like giving birth, um, and that, that that very initial spark um, of an idea. And you don't, you know, at that point, you don't know whether it's a good idea or not. But normally, the run, the one you run with, is is what you think is your best idea. Um, and, and the rest of it is like rearing a child. You know, you you you, you can in, influence it. To a certain degree, um, the younger it is, the easier it is to have, kind of have that influence. But at some point, you've got to let it out there into the world um, and let it sink or float for itself. Um, and I think that's, um, I mean, obviously, we work to deadlines. So we, you know, at some at some point, we have to be conscious of that. You, that's where you put roller skates on your idea. Off you go, little, that's off it. you go, little Jimmy. Yeah. Roll down the street, mate. You know, it's that, fine. You'll be right. That's it. That's when you send number two kids and say, right, you're 16. You don't need to go to university. You can, you can just go out and... <laughs> Figure it out for yourself. In terms of you, you mentioned managing time. How do you manage your time? Do this is a big thing for a lot of people who are in the business of creativity. You know, it's that looming deadline or the fear of it. How do you manage your time to ensure that you're delivering and executing ideas in full on time? In any busy creative um, department business, you're going to have. Um, demands coming at you left right and center uh, we've, we've got a lot of duties and responsibilities kind of on a daily basis with how little... much of uh, traffic look after that and what responsibility should you take for your own time management you know i've worked in agencies where it's almost like the creatives are um, hopeless without the traffic manager you know they won't even lift a finger with diaries or anything to that effect and others are a little bit more self-managing in that they'll sort of use their own initiative to manage some of their time. You know, it could come from, you know, simple calendar management to software like Slack or Teamwork or whatever else. Jira, do you use any of this stuff to... Yeah, so yeah, so for a long time I haven't uh, used it, but um, actually having come back to and came back to Australia um, about a year and a half ago and got... Uh, after after working overseas, living overseas for uh, four years, uh, and, and came back to all of these uh, softwares that um, manage time for you, uh, and so they took a little bit of adapting too. 
Um, but for the most part, I think they're a good thing. They work quite well. Um, I think some, a lot of them are in their infancy, hmm. uh, but they definitely have a place in, in the future of the way we work. I've always loved keeping it as brutally simple as you possibly can. And what I've tried to get you guys you know, to, because again, for the listeners, the, um, Oliver works for me. Um, for those that don't want to use teamwork, I think we use teamwork. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which I, I agree it is quite a complicated user uh, interface. Um, just pop in milestones into into your diary, into your calendar, and um, align those milestones with the the milestones that are outlined in the brief. It's pretty simple. You'll get reminders. You'll know exactly what you have to present when. You can look at your milestones on a month monthly basis, a yearly basis, or a daily basis. You know, and I think that's probably the least amount of technical or software-based time management one can do on their own. Um, if we, if you're lucky enough, you might have your traffic manager pop in those yeah. uh, key milestones, whether it be a creative review or yeah. a client yeah. review or whatnot in the calendar for you. But if not, I highly recommend people do that for themselves. You know? Yeah, I mean, a good a good traffic manager is a blessing, but you know, even with all of the kind of the different kind of. Uh, uh, areas of content and people we work with they might not even be in the office mm. you know they might they might be working remote so um having a good system uh, and and someone directing that it's almost like landing planes at an no, airport totally, totally. You've, you've got all of the um you know the gear there the radar and the screens to kind of actually watch what's going on and where is it and where it's coming that's from. a great visual metaphor i love that yeah like but you just need someone to air just traffic make, control yeah, <laughs> just make sure i think they call it um pushing tin just making yeah. sure that the um the, the planes land where they supposed to land mm. and uh, they go to the um uh, uh, the gate they're supposed to get to you know and that's that's it, it does take human intervention to do that what would you say your of favorite my, piece of work of yours is of mine yeah um, so yeah, recently spent um, four years living in South Africa, um, where I, I kind of pulled together a small roster of my own clients. Were you a um, freelancer there, or were you working for someone else? Yeah, no, working kind of more as a as a consultant for some 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 kind of emerging businesses that were going through transitions. I like that. You're no more, longer a freelancer; yeah. you're more a consultant. I like to just like to. Uh, sounds more important, doesn't it? Fluff myself consultant. up a bit there. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so bringing uh, uh, my kind of uh, past expertise in uh, uh, mostly having worked in um, some of the best branding shops, I think, in Australia, as I, I would consider them, um, the most cutting edge, the, mo- the best strategic thinking agencies. So you worked at where? Where, where are some of the places you worked so, prior to going to South Africa? Uh, so I worked in uh, a, a few different agencies around Sydney. First cut my teeth at the One Centre. Mm. Uh, which was a, a great little place uh, before it initially went belly up with the GFC, um, at which point I joined a small team at MNC Saatchi, which became RE. Um, and we had some, uh, we got some stories to tell about working there um, as that kind of fledgling um, entity kind of sprang into life. Uh, and it's going great guns now. Um, but spent a lot of time also at Interbrand. Um, which is probably where I, uh, uh, I would say um, kind of developed my understanding of uh, brand and how it influences the world around us and decision-making and all of that. Do they have a, a brand philosophy or, or interbrand way? You know, Netflix have their um, 
Purpose Deck, the Netflix um, Purpose Deck. I'm not sure if it's actually called that, but it is their um, internal um, HR-based um, brand ethos that permeates everything they do and be, how they behave from a staff standpoint. Do they have something like that at Interbrand? Or? They do. Um, I, I haven't worked there for, uh, uh, must be about eight years now, but... Um, uh, they, they they formed this kind of uh, 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 what would you call it a mission statement kind of this this um, stand they, they, a standpoint um, no that's not the right word um, they formed uh, essentially a mission statement around this thought of standing apart um, which uh, it's about not just turning up to work it's about actually wanting to make a difference. Mm. Um, and understanding the problems that um, brands have and that the, inf- the, 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 the influence they can have on consumers um, and um, how we can um, craft messaging uh, experiences yeah. um, different to other people. So it's just, you know, um, this ethos of do it differently. Um, stick, stick yeah. your head up above the crowd. You know, maybe it will get shut off, but maybe you'll mm-hmm. you'll, you'll be you know you'll, you'll take a lead position, and uh, you can, you can be the the start of change. So after Interbrand, you went to South Africa. Well, so after Interbrand, uh, I did a little bit of kind of advertising agency work, MNC Saatchi for uh, the kind of retail design team downstairs, Bright Red Oranges. Um, through various projects, and then from there went to uh, South Africa, where I lit- stayed for four years. Um, yeah, working on a small roster of my own clients. Great. Uh, one of which was um, it's 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 a fairly uh, interesting and very South African uh, um, story of a. Uh, gold refinery that was was my main client while I was working there because mining is one of the biggest indus- industries over there like Australia I guess they're quite a quite a, a, a mining plays a huge part in both their economy yeah it's massive uh, it's like they, when, when, when you see those maps of the world which which country produces what and they, they kind of draw that into a map like you'll mm. see Brazil and it's coffee and um, I think Germany it's cars in, in South Africa it's just says gold gold so, <laughs> so yeah they make they make gold, a lot of gold it? it's gold uranium well coal. it's yeah it's all those precious metals it's actually um, got uh, uh, 95% of the discovered platinum in the ground is in South Africa so essentially they're a platinum monopoly as well um, so yeah but do they have but, any lithium mines down there as well lithium being the primary substance used to make electric um all the batteries in electric vehicles well that's yeah. it yeah so yeah well, it's, it's it's not not the nicest material I, I think they do have a bit of that but uh but not so much i think yeah i think lithium is if i'm right in thinking mostly comes from south america south america yeah. atacama yeah. desert's a great place for lithium i think mm-hmm. if ever you mm-hmm. if ever you wondered anyway we digress so in terms of your favorite piece of work what, what is it and why yeah so i mean as a designer we i i, I think we love taking segues into different fields of design um, I've always had an opinion that um, a good designer will take on any design job, no matter kind of what it is, whether, you know, they might be used to designing logos and press ads. But if you said, can you design a house for me? I think any good designer would jump at the chance to do that. And so working for this business in South Africa, being gold refiners, they did lots of interesting things with gold, including making their own products. 
um, and I actually managed to step into the role of a minted coin designer. So you made um, a coin? Yes, yeah. You so designed, I designed a, coin. a coin which is now currently minted there. Did it have a, a bust and head um, you know, of yours? Was it Oliver Kendall's? Well, was it a bit of a self portrait? No, no. Out of, uh, <laughs> So it, it, it comes from a very African place. It's, it's, uh, so the, 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 the design of the coin is a celebration of Africa, which, and it might seem odd for a, uh, a white boy from England to get a job like that and to kind of try to express something that is so deeply African. But, um, but it goes back to what you were saying earlier, um, part of our roles as uh, communicators, marketers, whether you be a designer, uh, an art director or copywriter or creative director or whatnot is to truly understand and empathize with the audience you are speaking to that's and, it and yeah. um uh, that's probably why we're so a lot of us are quite uh, progressive or at least we'd like to think we are that's it it's, it's a curiosity and i think mm. i think it's that's you you'll find that in large measures in any creative worth their salt mm. if you're if you're not curious then i think you're in the wrong business so your favorite piece of work is a coin a coin, yeah, and everything that comes around that. So there, there's, there's, and it, it's actually the coin is in production, but um, uh, uh, not yet released because it has to go through a whole regulatory process, which is quite convoluted. What's the value of the coin? Uh, so it's actually one ounce of gold. So it's wow. one one ounce of solid gold. So is it like the coin you see in the John Wick series. Yeah, similar size. Similar yeah, size. Yeah. So that that would be about a one ounce coin. Can one gold coin get me an AR fifty seven rifle, um, a hand grenade, and two pit bulls? Uh, you know, I dare say it might. In America, guns are cheap <laughs> there. Hey, <laughs> uh, and the price of gold is back on the way up. So that, that that's good for them. But yeah, I mean, it, it's literally a, a commodity product. So, with all of the craft and uh, a kind of symbolism that you might put in that, its it, its value is as as a as a physical thing is still completely tied to the the value of gold, the the the, 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 the daily spot price. So um, it's like a Bitcoin, but it's real. Yes. So I mean, uh, 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 one term. Oh, that, hang that on a minute. Used... Gold coins came before Bitcoins, didn't they? Gold coin. Well, that's a it. coin that's with it. that sort of value. That's ridiculous. That's it. Yeah. Well, they've been around a while. Hey? Coins once were worth the the value, the literal value of the coin, which seems yeah. to be the case here. Uh, now, yeah. the coin itself, even if it's a dollar, it's probably worth like three cents because yeah. it's made of like nickel and yeah. lead and whatever. Yeah, that's it. All that good stuff. Yeah, but then you, you, you I, th- I think it, it costs the United States three cents to make every one cent piece. Three cents to make yeah, the ones. Yeah, so they they make a loss, but it's the key. It, 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 it's a it's a an oddity, and that's why countries like Australia have done the sensible thing and just gotten rid of them because yeah. it's just silly. Um, yeah. Ah, oh, so a coin. I wasn't expecting that. I was thinking, yeah. you know, it'd be some award-winning. What do you think of awards, by the way? Do you, do you, are you going to enter your gold coin into an awards uh, show? Well, Khan yeah. Line, do they have a category for gold coins? Uh, well, no, I, I dare say that they don't actually. Um, but um, uh, c- competes with their gold too much. They, they, they like their gold. Um, yeah, awards. I've, I've, I've always had a uh, a, a strange, uh, uh, probably somewhat uh, unpopular opinion around awards, and that they, they, they they've never appealed to me. The value you place in the creative process is not so much in what the industry thinks, but it's in more. 
um, being able to connect with uh, your audience and um, uh, the reward is in creating something to a standard that your peers, I guess, would respect and acknowledge. I think that's been the criticism of award shows. It's that aspect of creating real work as opposed to scam work that we say works <laughs> yeah that's which it. has plagued the industry for some time it's how we quantify success is it because it won Cannes gold award or is it because it reshaped a business to be more sustainable mm. um to benefit the future of the business and you know society that's a very good it's, point it's, it's yeah how, I, how are we measuring these things how we measure success how do you measure success how do you know uh, what you've done has worked uh, step one is you know have you made the client happy obviously that's 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 got to be our biggest day-to-day concern um, and then to circle back to um, what we were talking about earlier have you managed to have an influence somewhere else in terms of the greater good so I mean you, you, you might come up with a campaign to sell more cars for Toyota but can you use that platform to try and steer the client towards advertising in a more sustainable way that's very purpose-driven i think uh, an amazing response a lot of people go about their lives without even thinking about having a, a personal purpose something that influences all the decisions they make whether it be at work or 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 at home in their private lives what would you say your purpose would be um i guess uh, my feeling is that you know i'm just one man and um, in terms of you know being an industry heavyweight, I, I am not one. <laughs> um, I think that's fair to say. Well, so um, that's fine. I don't intend to interview and have only industry heavyweights on. Yeah. I don't think creativity lives with a particular role, a particular stage of one's career, or a particular person. You know, children have been tested for creativity and they're some of the most creative oh, um, yeah. Far people. superior. I have small opportunities throughout my daily life to have an influence, whether that's in my work or whether it's encouraging my kids to pick up other people's litter at the beach. Um, I, I guess my standpoint is that I'm just trying to do my, my small part to make the world a, a better place, um, you know. Uh, whether it's you know picking up a piece of litter or or um helping someone with um a good message get their voice out into the world we spend a lot of time talking about clients in our roles and what would you do differently if you were the client yeah that's a good question um i mean sadly a lot of it comes down to uh, uh, kpis and you know meeting targets uh, it, it often takes getting to very senior clients very senior stakeholders to try and help them understand uh, a, a different approach that you might want to uh, take to, uh, take to a brief um, in order to just skew it for the good you know it, it, the the hope is that it would always deliver on the brief but if you can layer in uh, some other impetus there um it, what do you it, mean by that what if, um, so, so you're talking so not from just a client perspective. From a client, so not just um, signing more people up to Optus contracts, but actually improving their world around them at the same time. 
um, KPIs would come down to, right, we need... So get to the emotional benefit of signing up to a contract and share that with your agency. So why would people want to sign up to a contract? Do you think it's up to the client to, to provide that or do you think it's up to the agency to sort of unpack that from the brief? I think it comes down to... Uh, um, it takes two to tango. I think I, th- I think um, agencies have to try and instill that into brands these days, um, but brands have to be super aware and have an, uh, an internal impetus and openness to it. People people look for companies that are doing good things. That's what they want. Um, it, it will skew their decisions, um, and, and it's particularly for the younger generations now. God, I sound old saying that, um, but particularly for generations just coming up now into. Uh, being what you know we would want to be good consumers you know we should all be good consumers to keep our economies growing um but we're seeing increasingly that um i hate the word consumer i really do yeah it's almost well, like you've got if an alien came down and uh you know spoke to you or an i and asked us to describe the behaviors of people and we call people when they're when they're using something or when they're looking for something they can find use in, a consumer. They're mm. no longer people. Now they're consumers because they're looking for something to buy or eat or learn. You know, it's just such a strange clinical term that we use. Like there's that, And that is one of the bugbears I have, you know. If I was to get on a soapbox right now, there are many issues that sort of concern me. One of them is the dehumanising of people. Well, to us, they're people. You can call them users and and, and map out their user journey, or you can call them consumers. But no, they are people. And how do we understand people more? How do we connect with them and give them things they want to consume? Well, that's it, yeah. (laughs) On their terms, you know. That's it. And consumers or users, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're starting to make decisions differently than the world uh, is kind of ready to to, to, to deal with, um, you know. With millennials now, there's there's, there's the lowest rate of uh, uptake of young drivers that there's, there's ever been. So the automotive industry is instantly suffering, um, and and all that comes down to decisions about you know, do we need another car on the road? Do I need to put another car on the road? All these uh, uh, things influence. I need another car. I'm driving around a 2006 Golf. The check fuel or check engine light keeps coming on. Um, I have no idea why. Uh, if you have yeah. any tips, maybe we can take this no. offline. Well, you should probably have a chat it. about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I mean, it's, 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 it's sporadic. It comes on every now and then. Bites of wisdom. We've discussed some incredibly wise ideas here and ways we can be far more mindful of how we consume and the things we produce as creatives in this industry and how we can encourage and inspire others to do the same. What piece of advice would you give that pretty much sums up that philosophy? You know, it can be a, a sentence, a meme, or a list of commandments. For me, it's, it's, it's fairly simple. I, I think we have to learn to be fearless and to, uh, to bring ourselves to the table uh, and, and not be scared to... Um, you know, ask what we might think is a stupid question. If I was to put that on a shirt, or if it was a meme, what would what would that be? Ah, oh, sadly, it would probably be one of those no fear T-shirts. <laughs> it's a it's a very simple kind of uh, uh, human instinct that I think we suppress quite a lot because yeah. because of um, 
I guess the, the fear of being seen as, a, as the odd one out. Maybe your take on the brief is, you know, poo-pooed or whatever. But it's, it's about um, using your voice in your work. Yeah, I think. I I'm, like that. I like that. Unfortunately, no fear has been taken. Yeah. Use, well, your, yeah. use your voice in your work. Or, um, yeah. I think that's, I, I think mean, that's, it's, it's, that's it's all powerful. subjective. Mm. Um, and it, it is quite personal. Share your voice in your work. Yeah. Is that, does that work? I write a bit of copy, mate, but we might need a bit of help. Email hello at jamesbside.com for any suggestions. What should uh, Oliver Kendall's shirt say? Share your voice in your work. Yeah, but I won't be wearing a No Fear t-shirt anytime soon. Do Don't it, worry. Do it. No Fear. <laughs> No fear. Just do it. You could. Hey, there you go. Just do it. That's one. Has that been taken? Just do it. Yeah. And we'll have a word to Nike. See. I think someone just did it. Yeah. I think so. Well, thank you so much, mate. This has been an absolutely fantastic discussion. I love the fact that um, you're a designer who really wants to change the world, literally, in your own uh, home garage. I think that's great. Thanks for your time. I uh, really appreciate it, mate. And um, look forward to having you on the podcast again. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me and um, all the best. I hope this thing takes off. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers. If you'd like to find out more about me or the B-Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word, jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at B-Side Podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers. Cheers.